what is going on i want to welcome you from half court for today wednesday july 27th i am your host sean murphy alongside my guy my dynamic duo my richard hamilton and my chauncey billups the guy to my right jeff i afraidy jeff what's going on brother oh it's going man it's the day of the teals that we talked about and oh. i know we're gonna get into it a little bit too but it's just a good day man i'm excited yeah. Um, we're in like the weird, awkward period between the start of the season and like post summer league and off season. So I'm just ready to get this thing going. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. It's the week of the teal, and it's the week that all of our wallets are weeping. And I'm with a guy who who always makes me weep for joy whenever I see him. My guy Troy Sergi. Troy, what's going on, brother? How do you feel about the teal reportedly being back? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Definitely a blast from the past. Uh, wasn't quite around uh, into the Pistons uh, fandom when the Teal was popping back in the early 2000s. But hey, I'm ready to jump on this bandwagon of Teal supporting Pistons fans. So here Again, we are. And then we save the best for last. My guy, Zarek, the newest member of Woodward Sports. My brother, my guy. Dude, What's first up, of man? all, I told you how pumped I was when I saw you were joining Woodward. But, dude, it's just good to have you on the pod finally. Welcome to the family, dude. Thank you so much I'm for a, being here. I'm a big fan of the show. I love what you guys have been doing. Appreciate um, that, man. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, excited. I'm excited to be on here, man. Yeah, dude. It's crazy to think, like, just, like, like I, I, I remember, like, I, I found your Twitter around, like, the draft, like, this time last year and, like, and, like around, like, this time last year is when, like, this YouTube channel even started and this was just like a small thing. And now just to see, you know, like, you know, the fact that I'm here, the fact that we're all here, the fact that you're here now, it's kind of a cool full circle thing, man. So seriously, yeah, dude. Really, yeah. It's just it's exciting cool. times. Yeah. I've known, I've known Sean since before, uh, before the season even started. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah we, had, we were talking like during the summer. I remember I tried to meet, we were going to try to meet up opening night, but it yep. was just a chaotic night. But now it's crazy. Dude, yeah, dude. But now we'll be meeting up, and now, like now, not only are we just guys that know each other on Twitter, we're coworkers, man. We're family sure. now. We bleed. Sure. We bleed that wool. We're green, man. So, yep. Yep. As, and I became a became a fan of Jess the first time I saw him on a on a podcast. I was uh, indifferent. It was, on, on him. it was on the it was on the big it was one of the big studio shows. I don't remember which one. It was on one of the big yeah. studio shows. Like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it, you, man. I know I'm hopping on. I don't I don't honestly remember. It could have been any of them, but. Uh, I appreciate that a lot, man. I'm a big fan of you. Your Twitter, you. honestly, every time you tweet, I'm dead. And I got to <laughs> say that now because you are the funniest guy, one of the funniest guys I follow. So I'm happy you're here, man. It's awesome to call you a coworker now, man. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that is the thing. People, if people don't know, uh, when you're looking at one of the, when you're looking at like the essential list of, of Pistons Twitter accounts, oh, yeah. the, the, Part like tart the top of that list. It starts with Zarek, man. Seriously, uh, not Raspberry on Twitter. This guy's got memes, but also be sure to follow Bully Ball as well. Everything that you got going on there. Yeah. For the people that don't know, do you want to talk a little bit about Bully Ball? What that brand is and what you guys are doing over there? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, Bully Ball is a brand I started with my friend Jake. Jake's bad tweets on Twitter, um, and he actually was a big wrestling Twitter guy. So I'm actually a big pro wrestling fan myself. Hey, I am too, man. Yeah, so um, that's how I knew him in the first place. And then we're, we're both from Michigan. And then we started talking about sports like a long time ago. And he's been a mutual of mine for a while. Then one day he randomly hit me up and he was like, yo, I want to start like a sports page. Because he had a really successful wrestling one that he ran. It was called Tiger Driver. It had like 15,000 followers. They sponsored wrestlers. It was, it was intense. 
but he told me he wanted to get into this and um, we both edited videos and he did more graphics than I do because I'm not good at Photoshop right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the club, brother. It's tough. It's been a rough learning process, but we're getting there. And um, basically our idea initially was to cover all sports, all cities, but it became a thing where we're going to focus on Detroit first. And I think it's mostly become a Detroit based um, social media page. It's kind of like, um, I don't know how I describe it. It's not really similar to a lot of other pages I follow, um, but we post mixtapes on there, graphics on there. It's basically, we post whatever creative stuff we can come up with uh, when it comes to these sports. Yeah, absolutely, man. A lot of solid memes, a lot of great mixtapes, but I mean, you guys are really just on here repping Detroit sports. And I mean, you know, it's in a lot of different ways. And I mean, whether you're, whether you're, you, you know, whether you're clowning on Kings fans, whether, <laughs> whether, whether you're, you're coming up with hype mixtapes. Like I remember last year, um, you, you, the specifically the mixtape you made for opening night last year. I remember when, like when that came out, I like wanted to run through a freaking wall. I was so excited, man. So well, seriously. I, speaking of. I, I have the new one finished. I'll send that to both of you guys. Ooh! Oh yeah, I got to see that, man. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And, and believe me, when that comes out, we're gonna be we're gonna be pumping that out. That's gonna be being spread like wildfire. So we're super pumped for that. But we're just pumped for a lot of things basketball wise, man. And, and and that's the other piece of it. Not only are you awesome in the social media game, you know your stuff when it comes to hoops as well. And that's what it's all based around is being a huge hoops fan. So we're just glad you're here. We're we're pumped to talk basketball because that's what we do here from half court reach every week. We break down all things NBA basketball, the pistons and everything. So if you like that, be sure you like this. Subscribe to the channel, share with your friends, join the conversation in the comments down below. But also, did you know that over 67% of our viewers aren't subscribed? What the f is that about, man? Miss me with that bull, man. Sean, so that's 66% too many. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, Jeff. That's that's becoming a new saying of yours, and I like it. It's just a button, bro. Hit the button. Hit just the click, button. Just clicking a button, man. Zara, like Zara, like that's just that's just bad behavior, man. That's just that's just I mean, inappropriate. Me personally, I wouldn't let that slide. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You see why we have to bring it up. I'm glad we can bring yeah. it to people's attention because this is a, this is a humanitarian thing at of this course. point. Yeah, but. But guys, speaking of of humanitarian things, humanitarian efforts, we talked about how the teal is coming back, and with that, there's a lot of things to be excited about for this upcoming Pistons season. And Zar, we kind of wanted, I kind of wanted to start with you because obviously you've been a big proponent of what the Pistons have done this off season. I know Kings fans have been coming at Pistons fans <laughs> quite a bit, saying that you know that oh well, they clearly had the way better off season, but I think. I think Zara, I think it's pretty clear that the Pistons are pretty thrilled with the with what they have cooking. And I think in the long term, I think we know, I think we know what team out of that draft is going to be pretty thrilled with what happened that night. And I think Detroit is at the top of that list. Yeah. Uh the Pistons, I was actually there for the draft party at Little Caesars Arena. Uh the feeling that I walked like it was a unanimous feeling when you walked into that arena, it was just nerves. Like you could feel the nerves. Everybody was so nervous. And um, it's it's crazy because in a lot of situations you don't talk to strangers, you know, like you, you really don't interact with that many people you don't know. But everybody was talking to each other. If they knew each other or not, they were talking to each other, walking in, going down the stairs or like in the main section where the draft party was happening. Everybody was asking, who, who do you think we're going to draft? Who do you think we're going to draft? Who do you want us to draft? The last question, everybody answered Jaden Ivey. Mm -hmm. I did not have a single person that didn't say Jaden Ivey. And 
I uh, I got the notification that um, the Kings had selected mm -hmm. Keegan Murray at four. And a lot of people had silenced their phones and not checked their notifications. And I thought I did, but I saw that lost my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was still nervous because I was like, I don't know what we're going to do still because I don't know how high we are on Ivy. I don't know like everything. And when that pick got announced, it was like the loudest I've heard LCA since like the 2019 playoff game. Oh. And it, it might even rival that because it, it, it was it was such a euphoric feeling that the whole arena felt. And that was just one of our picks. We didn't like they didn't they shut down the party by the time the Durant tra trade happened. Right. Um, but it was just a euphoric feeling in the building because everybody, I think, in that building knew how special Jaden Ivy can be. Um, and then you I initially thought we were trading Ivy for Duran, uh, which I was freaking out about. And then when we find I found out the return. I was so happy. We got two of the most explosive athletes in the entire draft. And I, I could not be more thrilled. I did that trade in 2K. I, I, I did a trade. I did a sim where I did Jay and Ivy at five. And then I did Duran at like 12. I think I drafted him at 12, 11 or 12. And I, I quit and I deleted the sim because like this is unrealistic. Like this would not happen in real life. <laughs> <laughs> and and here Amazing. we are. Here we are. And we really didn't have to give up that much to to get him, which is crazy. That's the so. crazy thing with Troy Weaver is that at times it does feel like he's playing 2K with some of the moves he's able to pull off. It's like you wait, you got you got three <laughs> players in your first first round. Like it, it's like for people that don't remember, like like some of us might do like might recall when he took over that our young core was Luke Kennard, Sfima Kai Luke. Bruce Brown, and now it's Jaden Ivy, Jalen Dern, Cade Cunningham, Killian Hayes. Like, like, and, and that's the thing is like, you know, like normally, like Killian Hayes would be like our one centerpiece. That'd be like our one young prospect. He's like a luxury at this point if he works yes. out, honestly. And uh, I remember, like, I remember you're talking about like, uh, like the reaction from in the stadium when you found out Keegan Murray was the pick. I remember when we were at the draft show, I was trying to avoid the spoilers, but I was on Twitter. And I couldn't like it just showed up. Whoa, just notification. The Kings are zeroing in on Keegan Murray. And like Jeff can attest, like I was in the studio. I literally like yelped and I was like sitting there. I was like, oh, and like I literally did one of those things. I was just like taken aback. Like, confirm. oh my God, that's actually happening. Like this is actually a real reality that we're living in. And and obviously, I know, I know that you did get like into back and forth, but like I think it's important to acknowledge that Keegan Murray, like none of us ever said that he wasn't going to be a good basketball player. Oh, right. Like, right. like, like, like him balling out at the summer league, like if anything is like kind of what should have been expected. Right. I mean, because he's the guy that's been talked about as like NBA ready. The guy that like is the most consistent can show up and just drop 20 points in an NBA game at any given night. Like that just seems like that's what Keegan Murray's always been. So all this talk of like, oh, like at the summer league, which even then with Jaden Ivey played also looked awesome by the way. So like, I think, I think there's one, I think it's one of those cases where can like, can both fan bases not be happy? Like can both be true that like both guys are going to be solid. And even then the Kings also can both like their guy and also still have picked the wrong guy. That right. can, that can right. turn out to be a reality. Right. And it not. So, right. yeah. So what are you guys thoughts on that? I think I, I do want to say too, just going back to that draft night, the fact that Troy was considering taking Dern at five and you left with Ivy at five and Dern at 12 and you traded what Dern, 
you, or 13 for basically a bag of chips, like maybe salted salt and vinegar chips. <laughs> and then you hit in return. The, the fact that looking back and reminiscing, like we're all excited for the season, but man, Troy just, he just operates differently. And I've never seen a GM like this in terms of, you know, their draft and, and how many successful drafts in a row. Like I get the Killian Hayes one, but you're still ending with Stewart and, and Sadiq mm-hmm. Bay. Uh, two valuable ple- pieces who will play a big part with this team moving forward. So um, it's just, it's exciting, man. It really is. Like Troy just continues to impress me. Yeah. yeah and, and going back to the Kings pick uh, two guys, I mean, yeah, it doesn't really matter if, if Keegan Murray has a successful NBA career because we know that Ivy was the right pick at five. Mm-hmm. He was the right guy. He was the guy that wanted to be in Detroit. He was the guy that we know that can play alongside of Cade Cunningham and be that dynamic point guard that, that we want to have alongside of him. So, I mean, I, I just feel like we as Pistons fans or Kings fans even, um, we can't be too upset about either of our picks. I mean, they came, but to Jeff's point, um, to add Duran makes it even more sweeter. It, it has 2020 vibes to it with uh, getting Stewart and Bay. Uh, along with Killian Hayes, who ended up two guys being the better picks in the first round pick. Now, um, you know, we'll have to see how what kind of career Duran has, but I just think it's going to be a great uh, two, two combo pick. But guys, I don't know if either of you or all three of you were in the building. Well, I know Sean was in line, but that 2021 NBA draft party at LCA, I yeah. would argue that was the loudest. I Well, it was certainly the loudest I've ever seen it, but I would argue yeah, it was the loudest I, it's ever been. I think – I think it was a different energy though. I was going to bring that up because I was there as well. Because I, I think like in the 2021 year, like when we were like when we were like the number one overall pick, like we knew going in who we were drafting, right? right. So like I think I think like like Zar like Zarek's was like alluding to like that nervous energy, like like maybe we were all like a little on edge because it was like kind of like you, mm-hmm. you kind of fear like what the Magic fans went through this last year, where like they like right. a lot of them kind of made their minds up of who they wanted, and then obviously all that draft night shenanigans happened. Now, obviously, we knew going in, like, we, we heard the reports. We heard it was sealed that, like, Cade was going to be the pick. But, like, still, I mean, like, it's not the same thing as where this one, it was like, all right, our draft fate is literally in the hands of the most unpredictable franchise in the history of professional sports. Right. Because if there was any team that was going to go with a point guard for the third year in a row, for the for the exact type of point guard that played Dang. the exact type of style as Darren Fox, it was the Kings. Okay. It was going to be them. And then, and then I even felt any, like, even though I knew like the Knicks, like, even like, like people like, no, no, like they're not going to trade away Jaden Ivey. I was like, I don't know. But like the Knicks are the one franchise that would give up a stupid amount of picks to go get a guy like Jaden Ivey in the draft. So like, mm-hmm. again, the fact that you're able to secure that. And again, for the, for the price of just that ultimately like that one draft pick that we gave up in the Jeremy Grant or that we got in the Jeremy Grant trade. I mean, I'll take it. That who yeah. says no to that. That's a pretty yeah. darn good deal. Speaking on that 2021 draft party, I was there. I was there also comparing the two. It, I don't think it's close because the thing is, in that 2021 draft party, everybody knew. Like, I, yeah. like there was no like, oh, you kind of you you knew straight up because I remember that day I was in the shower, um, and I I had like music playing because who, who doesn't play music? Yeah, right. You, you yeah. Um, and it got stopped because I heard a notification. I was like, yeah, you hear that Woj notification? Yeah, you borderline not, break through. Yeah. You dive through the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I nearly, I nearly like broke multiple bones the minute I saw. <laughs> <laughs> the minute I saw that notification because I I checked my phone. I was like, what the hell? I like, I almost slipped. Uh, I, I, I was like, in the shower is wet. I, I was like almost done with my shower. I was like, holy shit. I, I think I screamed in the yeah, shower. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I definitely did. And mm-hmm. I was, I was screaming because 
they had confirmed, Woj had confirmed hours before the draft. Yeah. That right. Three, three o'clock PM around there. Yeah. 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 We're taking Kate Cunningham. So I was like, okay, once we got to there, it was just, oh, okay. They're announcing it. Now we cheer. Like it, it was, is one of those things. Right. With this year, it was more of a, I really don't know what's going to happen, but I know what yeah. I really want to happen, but there's a really small likelihood that it actually does happen. It was one of those types of things. And I think ultimately, too, like even when we look back on this draft, like this is kind of a, a situation, in my opinion, where I don't know if this is ever like, how do we look back at Troy Weaver and go, well, he obviously should have done this because Jaden Ivey, for all intents and purposes, was the clear consensus pick at five. Like, like yeah. even though there were solid guys like Benedict Matherin that they had interest in, there were other prospects that you could say in theory that you could have that you could have selected there. Like they talked about how they would have possibly taken Duran at five, you know, if it, you know, like, which again speaks to how highly they view him, which by the way, the fact that his name's being mentioned in the same, you know, breath as guys like Sean Kemp, Dwight Howard, Bam out of buy. Like the fact that those are the, the comparisons that people are making speaks volumes to the yeah. type of prospect he can be. And two, like you have to think too, the Pistons, like I get the Benedict thing and we had these conversations on our videos and our streams as well. Like you need to hit on a superstar. Like I don't want a, a good player or I, I need a superstar highest upside and Jaden Ivey consensus best guard in the draft. Like that's, that's upside. Like I, I love, we love Benedict. We love Keegan Murray, but we just think that there separates, there's a ceiling aspect to it as well. Like I, I think Jaden Ivey, that's a player who can be a superstar. Now Keegan can be a damn good player. I think Benedict can be a really good player, but I, th I just think that ceiling too is what really separated Jaden from the rest. And that's why right. I, like, like Zarek was saying too, I can see why there's so much relief in that arena because you're like, finally, we landed the guy we wanted in the entire time and the guy that we think has the highest upside among the, the rest that were available. So it was a win. And yeah. if we think back to of March and April, uh, when the season was kind of coming to a close here on the podcast, and we were talking about uh, going into the summer and free agency and more specifically the draft, we kept saying whatever the lottery holds, whatever position we get in the draft, if that's three, if that's four, if that's five, even if that's six, there's a good opportunity or there's a good chance that wherever we land, the pick will be made for us by default. And I right. think that's something that we got to, you know, tip our hats to if we called that right uh, here on right. the podcast of we picked five and who was the best available player at five? Uh, right. Definitely Jaden Ivey. Now you're right. If the Kings would have picked him at, at four, I mean, the only logical choice to me would have been Keegan Murray, and we'd be having that same conversation about him. So, um, but the fact that we did land Ivy there right at five, that pick was made for us. And that even even if somehow we had three, and um, right, let's say Orlando still goes with Paulo, uh, Chat still goes to OKC, I mean, we would have the logical choice of taking Jabari. So, I mean, it goes every way, and it just confirms what we've been talking about this whole past three, four months about draft position and, and making that pick, so. And even that confidence as well from Troy Weaver's position and not not take the bait that the Kings are trying to put out there of trying to get teams to trade up. Like, because the Pistons very easily, like you could have made a case for them to trade up to four to secure Jaden Ivey and give up capital or even, Jay, you know, Jeremy Grant to do that. And like, if the team, and if they ultimately did it, there probably would have been a lot of people that wouldn't have batted nine and said, that makes sense. Go secure your guy. But that's why, that's why you do your due diligence. That's why you do your process. And also that's why, you know, that's why you listen to reports and, and keep your ear to the beat. Because once you hear things like Ega Murray going to dinner with Sabonis and Fox, like that's, that's your that's, sign of no, <laughs> we're not trading with, with you. We're not giving up anybody <laughs> because we, 
because you're 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 showing your hand man like that's that's the biggest mistake you can make like especially in that position is showing your hand they did it the entire time like like it i know it was a surprise but still the kings like the kings media made it pretty known that the kings liked keegan murray it wasn't it wasn't news it really (laughs) wasn't that's what separates troy from monty mcnair i think like the the, you have to keep things in-house troy it's kind of like the eiserman thing you don't know what they're doing like they operate they don't let anything out and that's the best way to approach it because you have the kings you know keegan murray going out to dinner with the Aaron fox and and demontis sabonis uh keegan murray articles everywhere that's right when we did these mock drafts too we, we mocked him to the kings already but again it's like do you believe it's true? Like we all knew right. it was going to happen, but you know, to Zurich's point earlier, it's like, you don't know. You really don't. Yeah. Right. The goddamn Kings. <laughs> especially, you don't know. especially with um, Troy. One thing I noticed is unless they want you to know, they, nothing gets leaked. Even, even when you have someone like James Edwards, that's my guy, you know, never going to catch me. Not James Edwards. But if you had read his articles, you would have thought the Pistons were highest on Keegan Murray leading into the draft because it seemed like in all the articles, Pistons want Keegan Murray. Turns out every report after the draft, Jay Nivey was really high. <laughs> yeah. Jay and, Nivey, yeah. Jay Duran turned out were, yeah. really high. Yeah. yeah. And they were considering taking Duran at five. So that lets you know how little we actually know compared to what's being told to us. Right. Yeah. And I mean, again, the thing about Troy Weaver is the is is his due diligence, is the process, is the amount of work that he puts in. I, I truly believe there's few general managers who put in that amount of work, and I, I truly believe him when he said that that he had like millions of different scenarios planned for what could have happened in that draft. And so, you know that that's why like I have ultimate faith of what at whatever that guy does because I know whatever scenario plays out that he has a plan and. Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran, everything we saw in this draft, the aggression, and even the Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks, like every move that he's made is just proved he has a plan. He knows what he's doing, and there's a vision behind it. Whereas, like, you know, you see other franchises who have a great number one overall pick, and then they go all in and get Rudy Gobert and trade multiple first round picks and assets to go get to go get Rudy Gobert to go win now. The difference is with Troy Weaver. He's willing to take his time and brew things slowly with Cade and grow organically aside him. Whereas Timberwolves, the Timberwolves are taking their guy and saying, hey, you got to win now. We got to start winning basketball games ASAP. <laughs> like, imagine if we were in that situation. Like, that's, that's surreal, that's a, sta- that's a Stan Van Gundy move. <laughs> Honestly. Yes. yes, that's a great it, way to put it. Yeah, it really is. Now, before, before we get into some more NBA-wide topics, I do want to talk about the Kevin Durant news that broke last night. Something popped up on my timeline today, and I'm still kind of salty about it because this this wasn't six years ago today, but someone had to share the post from when Anthony Davis dropped 59 on the Pistons in the freaking Palace. And I remember just after this game, I just was violently yelling at my phone looking at Anthony Davis's stat line because like there were just multiple points like that like they weren't even trying to defend <laughs> like there were just Andre was just this this was him at the at the at the paint the entire night just he had a court he had a courtside seat yeah exactly he was watching the Anthony Davis show when he was playing defense <laughs> that night I don't know about usury but those like when I think of like the dark moments of being a Pistons fan that one creeps high on my list that's not even in my top five to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I remember a game. I don't know why this just creeped in my head, but I remember a game back in 2010, 2011 season. So it was our second year with the Ben Gordon, Charlie Villanueva (laughs) fiasco. 
And we had a, I want to say, 26-point lead in the third quarter against the Raptors. And they came back in the fourth to beat us by like 10. That was a moment <laughs> where I was raging at the TV, my friends. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I can't, dude. I can't describe how depressing this past era was, which I saw your guys' video about Blake. I have all the love for like that small period of time. But for the most part, like he, those 2010 to 2014 years, mm -hmm. man. <laughs> yeah, my no, I, I'm with you there. That's my years of the like, most pain. Like, like, yeah, man. People, people are like, oh, well, like I see people talking about the team. They're like, that was the worst era of Pistons basketball. I'm like, you weren't here. You were not watching Fox Sports Detroit <laughs> yeah. after school. And you're looking like, I got to put this in perspective. I'm 20. I just turned 20 a couple a couple weeks ago. My, the majority of my life was that era of Pistons mm -hmm. basketball. Yeah, yeah. I did, not, I did not have those two championships before that, and then the 04 championship. I had the 04 championship, which I was probably not even, like, conscious for, you know? So, mm -hmm. Ladies the, and gentlemen, <laughs> the Detroit Pistons have officially announced oh, no that way. the Teal is back! Ladies and gentlemen! Oh, ladies my. and gentlemen, the Teal is back, mother! We back, baby. Return of the teal. Now, oh, with that, Lord. I have a little story because remember on opening night, me, Sean, and uh, our other buddy, Robert, who's on uh, the Pizza Palace podcast, we all went together. And remember, Robert was gone in the gift shop for like the entire second quarter. Yes. Um, and then he came back and he told us, guys, I just bought this K jersey and the people at the, at the uh, counter told me that next year they're bringing back the teal. We're like, yeah, we'll wait till next year to see if that happens. Well, that little gift shop clerk uh, spilled the well, beans on opening night. What an insider! Well, <laughs> Sean also confirmed it too, though a lot, like, okay. like, like, at, like towards the beginning of his run. But it is also available on the Pistons three one three shop as well. Hashtag Return of the Teal is here. The teal is back, man. And they show the first thing they show is Jaden Ivy wearing the mm. teal, dude. Oh my gosh. Thoughts and prayers to everyone's wallet collectively. Uh, be sure to get on the phone with your financial advisors because <laughs> man, I mean, first look, let, let's just real quick. First Check look, official look of the teal. Oh boy. I mean, that's just like we saw in the early 2000s. Like that's really not, I mean, you got a couple of sponsors there on the right and left, but like nothing else is different. Like it's the not Nike really logo. A, sick yeah elite yeah. yeah elite this is and this is the point zarek actually go on zarek sorry i was gonna say no you're it's a little brighter to me than the yeah no yeah, yeah, yeah i agree yeah it pops it, more yeah i like that yeah. i like that a lot more because the teal the the thing with the teal initially i always like the grizzlies teal more than the pistons yeah. teal mm -hmm. maybe hot take but um I was Grizzly's like, teal is fire. People can was, say what yeah, they want, was, but the Grizzly steel was fire. Yes, that, that color teal was why I liked it more because ours was more darker. It was it was almost closer to like a dark blue than it was teal. Mm -hmm. But this, this is this is the stuff right here. Yeah. Oh man, I'm I'm glad this happened while we were on the pod together. Sorry, that this is perfect, man. This was this was meant to happen. Yeah. That's what's up. The teal's back, ladies and gentlemen. It officially happened. That, that was a sign to stop talking about the bad times and to focus on the good times going forward, man. And that, yeah, that, I, that's incredibly awesome. I I'm mentioned hyped. that 2010 team, and immediately I was cut off by, by that. 
<laughs> it was it was the basketball gods. And, and actually, you were making a great point because I, I was going to say too, it's perfect timing because I feel like jersey preference is like subjective because it, if you look at it, like for me, I love the teal. But if you talk to like Terry Foster, he hates the teal. Like it's all perspective. Like for me, and I'm I'm yeah. similar in age to you, Zarek. I'm 21, turning 22. So for me, I grew up, you know, in a lot of dark times. Uh, the era that which we won, I wasn't conscious as much. But I started being a fan, a, a big fan, 2009, 2010. So I went through a dark, dark, you know, time at the beginning, even leading up the the 60 point game Sean put up with Anthony Davis to see these teal jerseys and to see the new era of of Pistons basketball wearing them. It just gets me excited. Like they have a chance to rewrite that narrative, and I think they're going to do it. So uh, this year, to see him a couple times a year with these on this year, man, uh, whew, they're going to oh. be in two K too. They're going to be in two K too. Oh, absolutely. Oh, you damn right. They're going to be in two K, dude. Yeah. Oh man, they just they even just the Pistons Twitter account even just set the teal logo as their profile picture. That just whoo. Oh, it looks so good, Troy. Yeah. You're muted, but anyway, <laughs> that is good. That is great. Oh my gosh. But anyway, all right. So that that's that's the big news in our circle right now. Um obviously the obviously the uh current uh the classic is gonna it's gonna be 135 bucks. So uh for those of you out there wondering that's how much it's gonna be. Lots of prayers for your wallets, Sheesh. but say with but do with that Sheesh. with you with what you will. But with that, there's also the big news that came out last night because Woj and Shams just have to be competing at all times. And are both just reporting at any hour. And Zar, were, were you up when this when this bomb dropped? Because yes. I saw that you tweeted when it happened, and I was like, "Man, that's dedication." But uh, the the big bomb dropped last night that the Celtics have been engaged in in talks with the Brooklyn Nets on a Kevin Durant trade, and reportedly made an offer that centered around Jalen Brown. Uh, Derek White, multiple first-round picks, and it purportedly all it would take for the uh, for the Brooklyn Nets to accept that deal is if Marcus Smart mm-hmm. is thrown into that equation. Yeah. And personally, I think that it would be a mistake for the Pistons to, I mean, or for the or for the Celtics to make that trade. Or, or to ultimately make that move, especially with how vital Jalen Brown was to the success of that team, how close they were getting over the top, and then you go get a guy like uh, like uh, like Malcolm Brogdon over the off season that 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 makes them just that much better, and gives them just that much more depth. Personally, I don't see the point in breaking that up for a star that is that you doesn't that you don't really know if he wants to be in Boston. You don't really know his health over the course of the next few years, just personally to me, I think it's just too much of a risk and, and you don't really want to, you know, make a star like that upset, which Jalen Brown did tweet SMH was not thrilled with seeing his name in trade rumors. So Zar, uh, since you're our, since you're our guest, since you're our guy, I want to start with you. What are your, what were your thoughts when that news came down? And do you think Boston's making a mistake or do you think, do you think that is something that can take them over the top? So I feel like if it was Jalen Brown, Derek White, and you know, some picks, I think that's okay. I think that would I think that wouldn't hurt them too much, although those are two really impactful players. When you throw in Marcus Smart in there, first of all, taking away the Celtics aspect from the Brooklyn Nets side, it makes no sense to me. 
because if you're trading away one of the all-time greats and you're trading away probably, in my opinion, the best scorer of all time, you would mm-hmm. think you're starting to rebuild. Granted, they don't really have any picks, but at the same time, you could accumulate picks, you could accumulate young assets, and then you could get yourself a younger team where you don't have to pay veterans to play. And basically what we were talking about earlier with that 2019 average Pistons team, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's essentially what they're trying to go for right now is if they trade Kevin Durant for Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, okay, well, what do you have? Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. It's the 2018 Celtics. Minus right. Jason Tatum. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so it's I, I, yeah. I don't really get it from a Brooklyn Nets side. From from the Celtics side, I get the I get the interest in Kevin Durant. Of course, you'd want to pair Kevin Durant next to Jalen uh, next to Jason Tatum. But right. who's the point guard? You know, who's mm-hmm. playing shooting guard? Who's going to provide defense? Uh, it, it has a lot of holes in it that that kind of makes me question things. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And and I mean, it, the, the other thing, too, if if, he, if Kevin Durant isn't stepping up and taking that alpha type of, of leadership and role that you would hope out of him in those big moments, I mean, we saw Jason Tatum this last year in those brightest moments struggle and, and really, you know, not take over the way that fans maybe expected or hoped that he would. And, and a lot of the times it was Jalen Brown who is taking that initiative and being that number one guy and enforcing the issue during the finals. And so I, I think part of what made this team so good, like, like we said, or like you said, is, is the depth and how much and just how many valuable pieces that they have. And especially if you're giving up guys that are, that are part of that identity, like Marcus smart, you know, and, and the other thing too, you really want to help the Boston Celtics build a contender around Jason Tatum, you know, the guy, the pick that you traded to them a decade ago, you really want to help them in any way, let that team become a contender after they fleeced you for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. You really want to do that? Because that would honestly be terrible for Brooklyn. That would be such a bad look. In the same conference too, which, and I want to speak on Kevin Durant quickly because I, I get why the Celtics would want to pursue Kevin Durant. I don't think anybody has an issue with the player Kevin Durant is. He's one of the, like right. Zurich said, I think I agree with you. I think he's the, the greatest, most talented scorer of all time. His ability to get shots from anywhere. Um, but there's a but. Kevin Durant in three years has played 90 games. And if you want to take out the Achilles season where he didn't play, he still played 90 games in two seasons. So as great as he is, for, for the Boston Celtics to try and trade for him, this is the price of playing poker because now Jalen Brown knows that you tried to deal him. And if this deal, assuming it won't get done, because in my opinion, I don't think the Nets, they're not going to trade Kevin Durant. There's, there's, there's a tough, it's with the Brooklyn Nets asking for way too much. And it's just not realistic. Like if Donovan Mitchell is going to go for six to eight first round picks, like I can't even fathom what you would even trade for Kevin Durant. And I don't think the Brooklyn Nets really know either. So they're kind of like, Hey, you know, throwing this guy, they're just testing the waters. And to be honest, what go on. Well, I was just going to say, but I mean, if you're looking at like, like the trade packages they're throwing out there, I mean, for this kind of is the closest thing. I mean, because of the fact that like, say what you will, like, I mean, Jalen Brown is, is an all-star Marcus smart. say what you will, but he's, he's borderline or close to, he can be an all-star at some point in his career. And then if you throw in 
multiple picks. I mean, granted, it's Boston, so how good are, the, are those picks going to be, especially right. if you're giving them Kevin Durant? But at the same time, I mean, like, I, I, I would say, like, I, I, I at least understand the fact that you're getting guys that would come in and you know are at least going to play hard, and I think that's what Brooklyn's looking for. It's like I think they're looking for the hyper opposite of what they had with Kyrie and KD, mm-hmm. where they just want guys – I don't even think they care about winning championships anymore. I think they realize that they screwed the pooch on that, have having the ability to happen. But I think they want guys who they know that they're going to come out there and work their tail off and play really yeah. hard, hard basketball and probably contend or they would probably rather contend for a play in and be competitive. And because the owners pretty much said it, I'd rather, I'd rather be mediocre and be proud of the team that I have than be great and not have any pride because apparently that was a real problem this last year from ownership, which I mean, you did it to yourselves. So and, I don't and, understand what the problem is real quickly. Troy, I just want to add this too. like, if you're trading Kevin Durant, you're, I don't think they're ever going to win that trade. Like you just aren't. And it's the same argument you could probably make for Donovan. You might be able to win a trade with Donovan, but Kevin Durant, like if you're trading him away, yeah, you're getting Jalen Brown, you're getting Marcus smart, but to Zarek's point, like it just, it, Maybe it is makes sense for the Brooklyn Nets. I don't get the direction they're trying to go in. I don't still don't know if Kyrie, I know he's going to be there, but is he really there? Is there a deal that could be made? Um, it's just a lot of, on, I, there's no clarity on what's going on in Brooklyn. So, but I get the Celtics. Hey, you get Kevin Durant for four years. Like it's a damn, I mean, listen, your team takes it up a notch. I mean, now you have the two best wing, uh, one of the best wing players. Uh, you got Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum, I guess with Giannis, but I just, it doesn't make sense to trade Kevin Durant to the in the same conference. So you don't want to win, but then you're getting back a bunch of veterans. Like I, I don't get it. Yeah. Right. And I think going back to, to Sean's original point with Boston, you know, you just make the NBA finals, right? You just, with that core, with the core of a Jason Tatum, a, a Jalen Brown, a Marcus Smart, you, you, and you, stretch it to six games. And I feel like you don't want to blow that up. I mean, how many teams can say that they made the NBA finals this past year? Only two, right? I mean, that's obvious math. So what I'm getting at is not many teams in this league are in the same position that Boston is in. And I think when we look historically at what teams do to push them over the hump when they're so close in the contending seat is they add veteran players. They add guys to your roster who can uh, contribute to your team for a championship. And if if I'm Boston, I'm not looking to, in a way, if you trade those uh, guys for Kevin Durant, you are blowing things up. Sure. You, you do, you know, you play roulette there as you might, you might, that, that might push you over the hump, but at the end of the day, you're still blowing things up. And I just feel like they're not in a position that they need to even remotely think about doing that, uh, especially when they go so close uh, with, with the Golden State Warriors and stretching that series to six. And if you're looking at Brooklyn's part, to Zar's point too, yeah, you're definitely looking to rebuild if you do that trade. You, you are looking at that being your your at least destination of what you want to do in the future as rebuilding, putting pieces together. And I guess my argument with that is, do you really want Ben Simmons a part of that rebuild? I mean, nothing really makes sense. To well, that. And that's the tough thing. They're, they're not really in a position where they can rebuild because all their picks are with Houston. Like, like their yeah. picks are gone. Like yeah. they they mortgaged the future to make this big yeah. three happen, and now we just have this unprecedented collapse, unlike anything we've ever seen. I mean, this mm-hmm. time last year, we're like James Harden was still on the roster, Kyrie Irving, we thought still was going to at least still likely play basketball during a regular season, and now we don't even know where Kevin Durant's going to be suiting up opening night. So I mean, it's just it just tells you where we're at, and I mean, honestly. I mean, if I'm the if I'm teams like the Celtics, if I'm teams like the like like the Pelicans or teams like the Raptors that are probably still in this race, looking looking at what's happening, 
I'm not in a rush to make a move. I mean, like the thing is, is like as time keeps slipping away, Brooklyn's power is 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 going away by the day because at the like even though they can bring back Kevin Durant and on their end they could still just have KD play for them this season in a way. I mean, you don't want a looming Kevin Durant being unhappy over your franchise. Exactly, exactly. Because yeah, it, because at the end of the day, Kevin Durant's going to get what Kevin Durant wants. That's just how this league works. My only my only issue too with the Boston Celtics trading all those players as well is like the big thing about the Celtics this year. I get there was injuries. I get you know Giannis and and facing Brooklyn, which was weird to see Brooklyn only make the AC. Just disappointment in general. But I will say their depth was the most impressive part of the Celtics and getting rid of those guys. It would hurt them. But again, you're getting a player like Kevin Durant. It's just weird. And then you trade for Malcolm Brogdon, which he's going to be I think nice for them if he could stay healthy. Uh, but still, it's just. I'm interested to see. I, one of my buddies, Mike, actually, he bet like what twenty dollars on Kevin Durant becoming, you know, next uniform being in the Boston Celtics uniform, tr- getting traded there. And I think the odds were like plus fourteen hundred. So his his twenty bucks is going to make him like four hundred dollars. And now I thought he was crazy months ago, but I guess yeah, things just work work themselves out. Yeah, we'll see. And, and I mean, listen, if if they make the trade, I, I mean, like you said, ultimately you can't blame them because I mean, no, I mean, I don't think any any one of us would would sit here saying that we wouldn't be tantalized by a tandem of Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant on the offensive end. That would be terrifying, and I mean, defensively that could be pretty threatening as well. But again, like, what what are you giving up? What's the sacrifice? Mm-hmm. What's ultimately the price of that? And if it's ultimately that depth. And, and what made that Boston Celtics seem so special, which was all the interchangeable pieces and all the different guys that contributed on a different night-to-night basis. And again, you know, and again, what point does that become like what the Brooklyn Nets did where they sold their soul to get Kevin Durant in the first place? So at a certain point, someone's got to learn, you would think. But I mean, yet again, I, I guess I guess why learn when you can have Kevin Durant on your salary books? But <laughs> Uh, and, and real quick, I saw I saw Easy and the World War Heavyweights of those guys be like, "Jail is Jalen Brown available now? No, he's not available now. <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna let we're just gonna answer that one here quick. No, Jalen Brown's not available on the trade market. He would yeah, only Kev- be available if they can get Kevin Durant. That's yeah, it. that's it right there. If that's Kevin Durant's available, Jalen Brown's available. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He, it's not like the Pistons just call up and be like, "Hey, Sadiq and a first round pick, Jalen Brown. Boom, there we go." <laughs> It's not, it's not going to be how that's going to work, unfortunately. But one thing that could happen, so we saw today Rasheed Wallace uh, ultimately turned down the job from Marvin Ham and the Los Angeles Lakers. He was going to join and become the assistant coach for the Lakers and and we thought was going to play a really big role with Anthony Davis and everything that was happening there with the Lakers this season. However, what we saw is that that is not the case and that he won't be joining them after all. And uh, obviously, one tweet I, I threw out there right away is, hey, you want to come home and, 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 and coach Jalen Dern again instead? You want to come back to Detroit? And I mean, obviously, this Pistons team, we have a pretty stacked uh, list of, of assistant coaches right now. But I mean, guys, I mean, Rich um, Rashid Wallace is a guy that in the coaching ranks, I think people underestimate how much value he brings to to different teams. And that's why Marvin Ham was so I mean, Darvin Ham was so interested in having him in the first place. So what were you guys' thoughts when you saw this? And would you be interested in a Rasheed Wallace assistant coach reunion in Detroit? 
Absolutely. To have a player too be in the coaching staff, I think having a mentor like Dwayne Casey, it's a perfect situation for him. It's a perfect situation for the players. He's already coached Jalen Duren. He was already, you know, an assistant coach for the Detroit Pistons briefly. But yeah, it's it's a perfect time to return, man. Like to have the the big guys we have in Bagley, Stewart, Duren. Even the rest of the players, I think he can provide that mentorship. Now, you know some of the things Rasheed did when he was a, when he's a player. Maybe he can help these guys, you know, learn from his mistakes. But also just being that mentor for the guys, I think he's, he'd be a great fit, man. And he'll and he's he's the type of guy that'll say it how it is, and, yeah. and I respect that. Like right. we need that. Uh, I think Dwayne Casey's that too. But Rashid is just like a player to player. Like you you can communicate with him better because he's been in the same position you've been in. So I think it'd be great for the Pistons, man. I'd love him back. Yeah, I um. I share the same sentiment. I, I remember when Rashid was assistant coach in those early Drummond days, and he had that one dunk. Drummond had that one dunk. Yeah, yeah, I, don't remember, yeah. I don't remember who he dunked on, but he dunked on somebody, and Rashid lost his mind. <laughs> was crazy. <laughs> that was one of the highlights of that of that entire year for me. And I, I would love to see Rashid back, especially now that we have a legitimate young core going forward. Someone like Isaiah Stewart, who kind of needs to resemble Rashid Wallace's mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Ironic because he was compared to Ben so much or- originally, um, but he's going to have to re- resemble Rashid in order to work with someone like Jalen Duran. Yeah, uh, and even I, I remember I saw something about Jalen Duran and Rashid Wallace, like they were working together. Or there were something about them together, and I was well, like, Memphis, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I saw something recent too. Like I said, I, Rashid said something about Duran recently, and I was like, that's kind of interesting. Didn't he just accept that Lakers job? And I remember I said something to my brother. I was like. That's kind of weird. Like he would say that when he just got hired by the Lakers. Lo and behold, yeah. there's an opening now. So I'm not saying he will get hired by the Pistons or anything, but if he does, it it kind of pieces some things together. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's interesting too how quickly uh, after the Darvin Ham hire, uh, it was it was reported that Rashid was going to jump on board. I just thought that was really odd of how how quickly that was announced in the media. But now, yeah, him not coming uh, that definitely opens doors uh, for Detroit. I, I think, but um, we'll have to know. I mean, maybe he'll return to college and coach a team, assistant coach or head coach a college team. I guess we really don't know. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, ultimately that that door is there. The relationship is there with Durham, but I mean, also with the fact that the Pistons have have shown interest and desire of, of having guys of the old guard and you know players from the past in 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 their in their practice facility in the organization having an active role in building in the future. So you know, I mean, listen, if he's if he wants to come back, obviously he's always welcome back with open arms. And I think if there's anyone that would realize the value of having him on the roster, it's someone like Troy Weaver and someone, you know, like Dwayne Casey, like you said as well. I mean, the, the more, the more former players you can have on your staff, the better, because I mean, that's just guys that, that people respect, especially people that help put banners up in the rafters as well. That, you know, that's the biggest point right there. Like he's been there. Um, yes. Maybe he could teach guys, you know, not to leave Robert Ori open, but again, I mean, there's other things. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I love you, Rashid. I love you, Rashid. Dude, please don't be. Didn't me. have to, didn't have to do that, I, man. Come on. Say, that's, that's <laughs> out of trauma, no, man. Okay, I love Rashid. All right. But I will say, He's been there. Like to have guys in the building. We talked about Ben Wallace, Rip, guys being more involved in the organization. Have Rasheed, Mother F and Wallace back with the Pistons, man, coaching these guys up. And it's a perfect like uh, match made in heaven because of the timing. Like we're we're going to an era where these guys have to learn how to win. Oh, here comes Rasheed out of the sky, a guy who's been here <laughs> and has won in in the city of Detroit. So um, it's just it's a perfect match. I, yeah. I really hope it, it gets done. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you on, on that. And before we get to our final segment of the show, I do want to bring up a little bit. We've been talking to Sadiq Bay quite a bit on this channel. And and Jeff, you you and I have, have made the position known that we believe that Sadiq might already be the best shooter in the history of the Pistons, which is crazy to think because, I mean, we, we've had a tutelage in a history of, of great of great shooters and snipers from beyond the arc. But what Sadiq's done already is unreal. Uh, Zar, what do you think of, of Sadiq Bey as, as far as his ability to shoot the ball? What do you think of his like overall ceiling? And do you, do you think it's crazy to say that he might already be the best shooter in Pistons history? So I don't like to toot my own horn. Um, however, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, come on. Hey, this Uh, is the, this is the platform. We allow people to do their own horns, man. I've been doing that with Chet Holmgren for weeks now, man. It's been great. I remember I, I wasn't familiar with Sadiq when we drafted him because that year I, I only was looking at this one through like 10 range. He wasn't with there. you there. Um, so I really wasn't familiar with him or Stewart. Stewart I had heard a little more of than I had Sadiq. Yep. Um, when Sadiq got drafted, I was like, okay, first thing anybody does, of course, I go to the highlights on YouTube, search them up. Sure. And I remember being like, we got this guy at 19. I was like, I, I'm missing. There must be like a really glaring issue with his game that I'm not seeing because this guy seems way too good for us to get at 19. And what a lot of people that year were saying was a really weak draft. So for him to be a 19 in that draft was almost like a second round pick in others and other year drafts. Right. So I was really confused, but I was like, okay, maybe I'm missing something, but Troy Beaver definitely sees something there. And I remember I tweeted Sadiq Bay can be that guy period. And I mean that guy. And people, I remember someone replied, they were like, they they tweeted a picture of LeBron, and then they tweeted a picture of Darko, like, which one? And I was like, oh, no. I was like, okay. That's messed up. Yeah, so I was like, okay. Like, it it seemed unfair. And I remember initially, even like preseason, he didn't get to play that much. But what I did see of him, I was like, this guy's legit. And the more he played, the more I, I bought in more. And I remember I tweeted, there's a thread out there. If you're watching this, it's deleted by now. Um, <laughs> outside, of, outside of this one tweet. But I did player comparisons for every single player on that and that year's team, like every young player. And it was Josh Jackson, Seku. I That's all getting deleted. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for Sadiq Bey, I had wrote down Chris Middleton. And initially, that was a crazy thing to say. Like, that was a yeah. crazy thing to say in that season. But the more he's played, the more he's progressed, I see that comparison more and more. I'm saying that's probably his ceiling. But even his floor to me is someone like a Robert Covington mm-hmm. like or someone like a Tobias Harris. But to me, he's already a better shooter. So yeah. it really it really depends on how much more he progresses. But to me... He's got a he's got an all-star ceiling. And a lot of people kind of put downplay him as a three and D wing. That man had a 51 point game this Yeah. Year. Yeah. He did it against the G League. I don't care if he did it against people in the wreck. Scoring 51 points is legitimately difficult. Yeah. And, and and it was the way that he did it too. And it's the fact that like this last year, he's like, I'm just gonna start trying to create for myself more. And it's like with Sadiq, it was like it was like he picked it up overnight. It was like it was like all of a sudden. Yeah. He was starting to handle the ball more. All of a sudden, he was starting, to, and then it's like you just realize, oh, this guy truly has a different level of work ethic. This guy truly is elite when it comes to the way that he approaches his off seasons and the way that he approaches like working on his craft and developing his game. I mean, I don't think we've seen a player 
like Sadiq, especially when you hear about the high altitude training and and everything about that, it's like, man, this guy's built different, and it's just it's just exciting, man. It, it really is, and I, you know, it, it, like you say, he could be that guy. I, I think that's why it's one of those things where it's like right now, it is one of those things where like as far as like the best shooter in the history of this team, he is that guy. You know what I mean? Like he's already taken that mantle, and it's great and it's scary of like how much he can really put himself far out of reach in that category as his career goes on man it's gonna be it's gonna be unreal it's scary hours what your oh. what your three sadiq bay can be Hashtag yeah and, scary and, hours and you can't question his work ethic like you know uh hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard and i think with sadiq bay man like they have to kick him out of the gym and that's important too um the work ethic that's why i don't want to limit him to like just a three and D guy, like I hate that as well because with his work ethic, he can become. So he was he scored fifty points while being the number one, you know, focused defensively with all the injuries happening. Like he was still that guy, he, yeah. even though being the, the you know focused defensively. So he's definitely got the upside. Uh, the only point we make, Sean, at the three point, just the game has changed. Like yeah. the amount of attempts that Sadiq is going to have uh, from a season to season basis, and if he, and if he gets more consistent, because that's the one thing you might be able to argue more consistent shooters in Pistons history. But in terms of makes, and if he becomes, he's only two years in the freaking league. If he becomes more consistent, my God, he's gonna blow these records out of the water if he stays a long time in Detroit. So uh, Sadiq, I mean, and I hate when people get offended. I got to rant real quick because if I say Sadiq's gonna be a third option, or I think he will, you know, second or third option, people get so offended. Yeah. But if you look at the two finals teams, who are their third options? Right. Still damn good players. So, again, it's a compliment. I think I wouldn't put a ceiling on him because of his work ethic. But certainly, man, he's whew, he is well, that dude. Well, and let's have a realistic conversation about that because I, I get where people are coming from. But at the same time, how many players can we truly say are number ones? Like you can probably Not too many. Not many at all. Literally, you can probably count with your two hands, right? Like there are probably yeah. like like probably like 10 true number ones in the NBA. And yeah. even that might be being generous as far as like if you really want to go like, all right, well, who's number ones that can win a championship? Right. Be because even like a Washington with a Bradley Beal, we would never call a number one option. Right. Um, yeah. Or even um, even I mean, I got like DeRozan, who we love. That love him. Not not a number one option. Right. So, yeah, it's 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 amazing to me just how many people fall fall for the basketball reference box score certain guys it's 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 quite insane like like you would you would believe that that colin sexton was kyrie irving reincarnated without <laughs> certain people look at his freaking basketball reference page man it's ridiculous but that's just the way basketball is man i'm Stop. a Colin Sexton supporter though let's see. i am i like hey we listen i like his game right. i like his game don't get me wrong but like everyone like everyone's like okay look at his stat sheet this guy is him and i'm like i get it but like at the same time, Czar, I feel like I could have scored 19 a game for Cleveland, <laughs> like on those on those rosters. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's a reason why like Darius Garland, like he is that different level of player because of how he can involve his teammates, do a little impact bit more winning. on the court. But yeah, yeah exactly. There, that, and that's where the level changes. That's where it's a little different. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Colin Sex is nice. He's that dude. And he yeah, can he score. But like, he he he's a bucket. Like I'm not saying he's not. But like again, it's like how it's like how people. How people just overvalue certain guys and then like in the same breath look at ben wallace's career like how is that guy a hall of famer it's like so, all right now hold up now so hold sean up. sean would you say he's a basketball player or a hooper, hooper. <laughs> <laughs> definitely a hooper definitely a hooper. He's a hooper 
Yeah, one hundred percent a hooper. If we're going by the Nick Ankle definition, yeah. Shout out to Nick Ankle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Motown Noah. If we're going with those parameters, but with that, Troy, it's that time of the show. It's that last segment. We always go to you at the end with our segment. We like to call from Mount Rushmore. Sometimes we do rankings. Sometimes we do retrospectives and talk random things. But with that, Troy, what are we doing today? Yeah, we are doing Mount Rushmore, but we're doing kind of a basic one. And I don't want it to be boring. I want it to be good, but we're going really, really basic. And that is the Mount Rushmore of best point guards of all time. All right. I like it. I like like it. You well, start for, what about you, Troy? I want to hear. Yeah. I want to hear this man's list. You got the. You yeah, got the, yeah, you hear. yeah. Well, I'll start the list with uh, Captain Obvious here, Magic Johnson. Uh, just one of the best point guards we've ever seen play this game. Comes in in the 1979 NBA draft, uh, going first overall to the Los Angeles Lakers uh, after winning a high school championship and then a college championship, and then his first rookie year, he wins an NBA championship, going six games against the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, which an injured Kareem and uh, hosting that uh, Larry O'Brien trophy. I'm not sure if it was called the Larry O'Brien trophy back then, but hosting the NBA finals trophy uh, uh, back in, in his rookie season. And not, I mean, really, there's really been no player that's, that's won all three to my knowledge. Um, and I, I think he impacted the game in so many ways. You think of obviously the, the magic Johnson, Larry bird rivalry, but just how he took that franchise. Hey, I like it. Hey, hey, you, you know, humble brag, right? That, here. that humble brag there, you know, no biggie, you know, just share just one, those moments where you can share your screen and flex a little, no biggie, you know, no big, <laughs> fine, you know, how he changed that Los Angeles Lakers organization. I mean, from going to the finals a bunch of times with Jerry West, uh, only winning one of them uh, with, with him. And then uh, he totally takes that Lakers franchise into uh, a dynasty. Uh, I think I, four or five championships for Magic Johnson. I'm not not quite sure. Can we get that number? Uh, five championships. Five championships. Okay, so five for Magic. Yes, five for Magic. And then, um, you know, had to retire a little bit early, uh, but then was able to come back that all-star game, right, and win – um, the, the NBA All-Star Game MVP and then play even the Olympics that summer too in 92. It was remarkable. So, um, I mean, I really just barely scraped the surface of, of Magic Johnson's career, but uh, you cannot make this list without Urban Magic Johnson, can you? Well, that, yeah, no, you really can't. I'm going to give Czar the free one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take another one. I'm going to let him go with one that I think is pretty obvious, but I'm going to go I'm gonna go. Steph Curry has yeah. to be on this Mount Rushmore. After everything that he, I'm not putting him second all time. This isn't like the ranking. I'm no, not putting yeah. him number two. But after everything, after everything Steph Curry's done, he's got to be on the Mount Rushmore best point guards of all time. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, yeah. like the the guy, the guy literally changed the game. He he made he made an entire position seem worthless for half a decade until they figured out that big men could still be good. They just mm-hmm. had to change how they played. Like he literally like like they made franchises look at how they draft differently, how how the court is 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 made up differently, how they how they draft, what what like point guards need to be. Like the like guys like Ricky Rubio used to be like at the top of the draft, but now might not even like get past like pick number twenty mm-hmm. because of the fact that he couldn't shoot the three naturally coming out of co- coming out of the Euro League. I mean, that's just where we're at in this league now. So like I mean, Steph Curry, like multiple time champion. MVP, only consensus MVP we've ever had. I mean, everything Steph Curry's done for the game. He's got to be on the Mount Rushmore of best point guards. Now, is he is he above certain guys like Zeke? 
I don't know about that. I mean, but I, I'm I'm wearing the shirt. I don't know if you can tell. The oh, yeah, there we go. oh, there you there go. There we go. There we go. Oh. Yes, sir. My pick has to be, of course, Will Bynum. No I'm kidding. Of uh, course. <laughs> no, yeah, all aside, the god Carlos Arroyo. I like this where guy you're going already. No, of course it's going to be Isaiah Thomas, mm-hmm. uh, the Pistons' goat, un- undoubtedly. Um, I mean, what what I mean, what can I say that hasn't been said about Isaiah, yeah. um, the ultimate bad boy? Uh, I mean that 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 game on the injured ankle. I mean, I, I was I was I was a good twenty years away from being born um, when that happened. But let me tell you, the amount of times I've watched that since, a lot of times, my uncle was actually the one that introduced me to a lot of those Isaiah moments because that was his favorite point guard. And I learned exactly why. And then I actually met Isaiah um, in 2017, whatever the last game of the palace was, they had this whole, oh, team. they had this whole suite of Pistons legends. Um, I got to meet all of them. It was pretty sweet. It was a pretty sweet, sweet day. Uh, Cause long story, but I ended up in that suite. I really had no business being there, but <laughs> they was like the nicest guy too, which is crazy because the way he plays, He's a dog. Definition dog. of it's got that dog in him. That's my favorite phrase. And my favorite players all have that dog in them. Isaiah Thomas has that dog in him. Yeah. If, was, if you were to take an x-ray of Isaiah Thomas, like you see all those memes, you would find that dog in him. Believe me, you'd find dark. multiple dogs in him. Pitbull, no Mr. 305. Like he, he's all. all <laughs> nope. Yeah. No all Mr. Dog. Worldwide. Like it's... No Mr. Worldwide. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Isaiah, Isaiah, two championships to his name, yeah. something that hasn't been done as a Detroit Piston since then. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like I'm everybody here that's watching this, you know, you yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, just from a sheer talent standpoint. And I mean, at, at the time when it was a league of giants for a guy at six, one to be that dominant and to lead a team to back-to-back championships, especially during what people say is the golden era of the NBA, the toughest mm-hmm. era of, it, of the NBA against guys like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, the, the sheer competition that they faced in the 80s and 90s, that team stood out as one of the best teams in that era. And ultimately, we wouldn't be talking about the greatness of Michael Jordan if, if it wasn't for guys like Isaiah Thomas being in his path. And so, and you talk about that sprained ankle game, something that doesn't get enough love and praise because, I mean, obviously, you know, when, when you don't ultimately win that game, people aren't going to remember it as much, but still the performance, it was, it was not from a lack of trying. That's for sure. And Isaiah Thomas bought one of the all time great finals performances with me, that game. Unreal. Better than the flu game. I agree. Jeff, you got an interesting uh, position. Oh, right I got now something going for. Oh, I'm Go good. I got, I got my guy. And I know, I know too, this list is weird. Cause it's like Steph Curry, the greatest point guard, but he's, is he a point guard? Is he a two guard? Yeah, like, sure, sure. You know what? I'm going Allen Iverson. I, I think listen, he's on my list. No, he's yeah, on my list. I like that. And I'm going to wow. say this much: four four he's time like scoring champion, rookie of the year, two time All Star MVP, MVP, and a guy who took the 2000 Philadelphia 76ers to the NBA Finals with our guy Larry Brown as head coach, of course. But let me tell you his second option on that team. My man averaged 31 and a half points per game. Second option being Theo Ratliff. A guy who also plays sometimes with the Detroit hey, Pistons. Feel the God. Don't be feel the God. <laughs> Allen Iverson for his size. Talk about heart. This mm-hmm. man had heart, and, and AI's got to be in my my Mount Rushmore for point guards. I get he was a you know point guard, two guard, whatever you want to classify it as. He was going up against behemoths. 
at 5'11", is he six foot? Probably not. But the fact that he played with that much passion and he, I get the low efficiency numbers, but greatness, you know, you can, you can identify greatness and he crossed over MJ. We all know the iconic moment there, but AI is in my, in my uh, Mount Rushmore. We got to do a couple honorable mentions, and uh, oh yeah, there's plenty. If you're gonna put AI, I got to put Chris Paul. I mean, the guy uh, again. I think a true point guard is his ability to facilitate the ball, his ability to score the ball too at will. Uh, we got to get that guy a chip before he retires, though. Um, I'm we're I'm a pretty pretty big Chris Paul guy, so I I would really think we gotta we gotta make sure that that happens. But I, I just feel like he's definitely a guy who's been in the league for a while now and an age. You know, we haven't really seen a deficiency in his age, right? He, he hasn't really shown his age too much. He's playing a lot of the same basketball, at least his, his stat-wise, at least. And he's able just, to be on one of the best teams in the league with, with the Phoenix Suns. Um, yeah. Chris Paul has to be on my, my – uh, Well, we got to talk about who's left off that list, though. I yeah. mean, there's a couple guys that, that, yeah. that have been left off more. the list. So, Still more. Yeah, so there's, there's John Stockton. That's a guy. That that wasn't that wasn't brought up. There's Pete Maravich. I know that's yeah. one that Troy is gonna get his gonna get his panties in a bunch about. Uh, but also Oscar Robertson yeah, is another guy that wasn't brought yes, up sir. on that list either. So you, so you're putting Allen Iverson over the Big O. You're putting him over Oscar Robertson. Yeah. Wow, He's my guy. Wow, AI. I respect it though. I do respect my, it. It's my Mount Rushmore. What are you talking? This is my is my guy. <laughs> uh, AI's up there. So a question about AI. Yeah, he averaged thirty-one. You said, yeah. Yep. You put that in today's NBA with 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 NBA stat inflation. How oh much? How much do you think? How much do you think he's? Yeah, averaging? that's a good question, dude. That's crazy because you're right. He's, he averaged thirty-one on what like average points per game, probably ninety as a team. I mean, eighty-five, yeah. ninety. Yeah. I, oh. Can you imagine if he actually gave a damn about practice too? Like, can you imagine <laughs> like if? If he had all that talent and the work ethic, like hey. that's the crazy thing that people don't talk about. Like he was like insanely talented and he was coming in hungover like half the time, but then he would yes. go out there and still ball and put up 30 plus points. Imagine if he was, I, imagine if he was practicing like unreal, he had, man. He had no business being in that finals against Shaq and Kobe, but my man had heart and he carried a franchise through the regular season and through the postseason. So he's got to be up there for me, but I get Chris Paul. I mean, these guys are all great. Uh, Chris, one thing I have, the only problem I have with Chris too is like, why does he get injured at the worst times? Like, I feel like at the biggest game in in the most important matchup of the entire season, Chris Paul, sore finger out out for two games. My big question I I get the injury thing, brother. How about when you're healthy and you are on the court with all these times you guys have choked? I mean, like, let's (laughs) just, I'm the biggest Chris Paul disciple on this podcast. I love the guy, like, his game. Like, I think Chris Paul is one of the most underappreciated players in the modern era as far as what he's done. But, man, that Game 7 against the Dallas Mavericks, I have never been more dumbfounded by a team's performance or lack thereof in a playoff situation. That Phoenix Sun team, to say that it cr- that they crumbled would be insulting to the word crumbled. Like, honestly, yeah. it doesn't do it justice to how terrible that that team was and like i don't know if chris paul is out of gas i don't know if he just was outmatched i don't know if it was like the kyle lowry thing of like what percentage of health we're even getting of chris paul in that series but like man like at a certain point dude you gotta show up at some point what you think Sarik? um so this isn't live right no okay so 
I was dying laughing because the minute you mentioned Chris Paul, I was thinking of that Reddit post. You know the one? I don't know the one. Where it's where it's Paul George and it's like CP3 or it's like or somebody it was like Paul George making some, they 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 gave Chris Paul a name that I won't repeat. Oh. But it was <laughs> yep. Oh no. It was it was it was you can you can you can work with CP. When uh, when the pod goes yeah. uh, off, we you can you can share yeah. that. But yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> but oh no, it wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't a kind name. It wasn't no. a kind name. No. No. Um, but outside of that, uh, Chris Paul, I have always had a lot of respect for. Um, I think he's a great point guard. Point God is a little strong for me, just because he's been a great point guard for so long, but he's never been the greatest. He's not, I can't say he's been like the best at, at really any point in his career for um, like, if he was the best, it would have led to more tangible evidence that he was the best. Right. Um, that's not to take anything away from him. He's an all time great. He'll be a first bout hall of famer for sure. But is he on the Mount Rushmore for me? Yeah. No, I, mean, it- I don't, I don't have him. I mean, part of part of being a great point guard is is leading your teams to team success. And even though Chris Paul, like you can look at the regular like at the regular season, he's done a lot of amazing things. And what he did with that Oklahoma Mm -hmm. City team in the postseason, even how far they got and how tough they were. I mean, Chris Paul's done a lot of amazing things. I mean, he got that Suns team to the finals year one. Right. I mean, but at the same time, he also as that final series went on was a non-factor this year in the playoffs in towards the end of that series was a non-factor. I mean, the entire playoffs this entire year offensively was terrible. Like he wasn't bad. He was terrible. So, I mean, you know, I, I think, I, I think with Chris Paul, like if, if he, if he can win a championship and do some things, like I, I think there's, like he, he's the type of guy that like by the end of his career, maybe he could be considered on that list. But I think at this point, I think the window is rapidly closing. And especially the fact that the Suns couldn't get the Kevin Durant thing done. And now that they have no clue when they can actually trade DeAndre Ayton, that just feels it just feels less and less certain for them to me. But I mean, one thing that that the one thing that does feel certain to me is Zurich, we gotta have you back, brother. This was a lot of fun. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming on, man. Dude, oh, I'm yeah. just excited. Not only am I excited that you're on the Woolward team, man, I'm excited the we're I'm gonna definitely have to back, have you on again real soon to talk pro wrestling because I, yeah. I know you're a wrestling fan, I'm a wrestling fan. I know we've texted back and forth about some wrestling stuff before, so we definitely, especially with everything going on in the wrestling world right now, dude, you definitely yeah. got to come back on and talk about that. 100%. But yeah, but dude, uh, be, be sure people are following you on Twitter, not Raspberry, also at Bully Ball as well. Be sure that they're also catching what you're doing on Woodward Sports. You're going to be running the socials on weeknights, man. We're super pumped for what you're going to be doing for that. And uh, just grateful for you, man. Seriously. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I love I love this show. I, I it's, it's a daily YouTube watch for me. I appreciate uh, that, man. So I, I love what you guys have been doing, man. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, that means a lot, man. It's 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 just cool. It's 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 cool as heck to be able to have you know like people like you in the community and like you know just mm-hmm. all the awesome viewers that are tuning in. Just absolutely grateful for what this channel's become, and it's absolutely been a, been an honor. So absolutely, man. We're gonna keep going because this is from Af Court because each and every week we're talking all things.